Mile High Magic is brought to you by Game Time, your new go-to app for the best deals on last-minute tickets. Did you know Broncos ticket prices tend to drop right before the game starts? Game Time tracks prices in real time from thousands of trusted sellers, then shows you all the best last-minute deals with prices up to 60% off. More than 12 million fans have downloaded the Game Time app and discovered the fastest, easiest way to get in the game. There's an in-app panoramic seat view that you can see from every section. It's an easy two-tap checkout. It's just quick. Why wouldn't you want to do it? So head to the App Store or Play Store now to download Game Time and score awesome deals on last-minute tickets. I can tell this organization is committed to winning. The Broncos, they do have incredible fans that love this team, and I'm glad to be a part of it. Another takeaway for this Denver defense in 58 is right in the middle of all of it. Wow! Touchdown, Denver! Unbelievable! Oh my goodness, what a play! Well, Murphy's Law strikes yet again for the 2019 Denver Broncos. Hello, everyone. Welcome inside Mile High Magic. Glad to have you with us. Alongside Nikki Javala, I am Michael Spencer. As if a 15-13 loss to the Colts and a 2-6 record wasn't bad enough, the news got what I would consider to be worse for the Denver Broncos with the fact that Joe Flacco now has a herniated disc in his neck and will miss at least the Broncos game against the Browns in week nine and then TBD after that. Nikki, I say that, that that I consider this news to be worse because I think there is a fraction of the fan base that thinks, hey, Joe Flacco's out. Maybe that's a good thing for the Broncos. I certainly don't look at it this way. Uh, to me, this is a bad football team that is being dealt a blow at the most uh, important position on the field. This is not a good thing in my mind for the Denver Broncos. No, you're handing the keys to a two and six team to three quarterbacks, two of the three, all three have never played a regular season snap in the NFL. Brandon Allen will now start. He was claimed off waivers from the Rams, mainly as a stopgap because Drew Locke hurt his thumb. And now the team will have to decide if they want to promote Brett Reppin from the practice squad or activate Drew Locke from IR. Again, none have played a regular season snap, but... This is your new quarterback's room, Denver. So do you feel like we're on like this endless loop for the last three years? Yes. Spinning round and round. I mean, and even going back to the 2015 season, you know, you had Peyton and Brock and and who was going to be the starter on a week to week basis. That was the question. And it it has seemingly never ended for this. You, I think you tweeted out the number. How many starting quarterbacks is it now? For this team, six since starters. Six starters. But they rotated multiple times within those six. I mean, you think about Trevor yeah. Simeon and Paxton Lynch and Brock Osweiler and Case Keenum and Joe Flacco and now Brandon Allen, and you're like, man, this this is not the mark of a good football team. It is not. You don't it win. You don't all. win games by changing your quarterback every eight games or whatever the average would be at that point. No. They've changed coaches, they've changed systems, they've changed starting quarterbacks, they've changed backup quarterbacks. How many right tackles can they bring in here? How many <laughs> How many different pieces can they try out with the hopes that they work and ultimately decide they don't? So here we go again. Um, and this is not to make light of what Joe Flacco is dealing with because he really was in serious pain. Um, I saw him in the locker room afterward and he couldn't even – turn his head. Somebody called him while he was in the locker room and he had to turn around his entire body just to look at him. 
He couldn't even lift things out of the locker. It was not good. I don't know how he made it through that game, but he said it's been something he's been dealing with for a couple weeks. Um, and I don't know whether the herniation happened in that game or if it was herniated before, um, but an MRI this morning definitely showed that he has a problem. Um, and I expect him to be out, you know, well beyond the bye. Um, I talked to a neurologist before we logged on here. Um, and I was told if it's something that can just heal on its own, it's probably three to six weeks. Why would he come back after six weeks when there's only eight games left? Um, or if it needs surgery, um, he's done for the season. And when you think about it, it's quite possible. This could be like career. It's quite possible. He has thrown his last pass for the Denver Broncos and maybe even in the NFL. I don't think that's being overdramatic to state, especially when you're talking about a neck. You know, I mean, that's that's one of those things where you got to be really, really careful with that because it could have crippling effects down the road. Um, so this is this is a big deal, not only for for Joe Flacco, but obviously for the Broncos. And they're they're in a world of hurt. You know, I mean, no, no pun intended and, and not to make light of the matter. But this to me is is almost worst case scenario for them, because now you turn to Brandon Allen and he is an unknown commodity at quarterback. And, and you want to talk about a team that has resisted the word rebuild. They have resisted throwing in the towel on this season. Now you don't have an option, right? Like this is worst case scenario. They signed Brandon Allen hoping that he was never, ever, ever going to have to take a snap as a Denver Bronco. And now not only is he going to have to take a snap, he's going to be your starting quarterback. Yeah. And he's been here less than two months, taking only scout team reps. Um, The fortunate part is he came from the Rams and and Sean McVay runs a very similar offense, having worked with Mike Shanahan in, in Washington. Um, it's not completely the same, but it's similar. So the hope is that the transition would be a little bit easier. Um, Brett Rippon, you know, also played in more of a pro-style offense at Boise State. Um, Drew Locke has the, the steepest learning curve because he comes out of the spread in Missouri. You have to learn how to play under center. You have to learn the footwork that accompanies that. You, you have to learn how to call plays in the huddle. Um, and, and he has a been allowed to practice or even been in, be in the huddle since he hurt his thumb. And that was what the third preseason game mm-hmm. against San Francisco. So he's been relying primarily on the virtual reality system. Um, and while that can help, it's not, you know, it's by no means a, a total replica for, you know, reps and practice or game time. So they're, they have issues. And, and, and we've talked about this before, right? Like we talked about this on some of our, episodes more recently when we were talking about the guys that they were going to bring off IR and and in an ideal world they would have probably waited a little bit to bring Drew Locke off of IR so that they can you know kind of delay that process if you will well now it's sped up and now they're going to have to make a decision as to what they want to do here and to me it makes the most sense to get Brett Rippon ready as your backup because Drew Locke hasn't practiced in eight weeks, more than eight weeks. I mean, since he hurt his thumb. So you're talking about a guy who not only has a steep learning curve, but who hasn't taken any reps in practice. And all of a sudden you're going to have him be your backup in a game. That to me makes no sense whatsoever. Yeah. Typically IR players that are able to be recalled, they have a two-week window. They're allowed to return to practice after six weeks on IR. That gives the team and gives them 
a chance to see where they're at and their recovery. And, and if the team really does want to activate them, they can't activate them until after the eighth game, um, which would be this week for the Broncos. Um, so if he's activated, that's that's like three days of practice, not even um, before he's put on an active game day roster, which seems kind of crazy, especially considering that only five days ago, John Elway was on KOA Colorado and said, I can tell you right now, he's not ready. He was very adamant about that. So I don't think anything's changed in five days right. in terms of his readiness. Um, it's the circumstances certainly have, but if you throw him out there, as Elway said, it could be disastrous, um, especially behind that line. I mean, yeah. look at what Joe Flacco's dealt with. Look at what Trevor Simeon dealt with and Paxton Lynch. I mean, how many quarterbacks have gotten killed behind that line? Exactly. I mean, and that's that's literally the thing. Joe Flacco has gotten injured. Paxton Lynch has gotten injured. Trevor mm-hmm. Simeon has gotten injured. Why would you stick Drew Locke back there thinking that you were going to get any other result? And, and why would you do that to the guy that you still expect to be your franchise quarterback moving forward? So, mm-hmm. you know, if the plan was before, hey, let's not rush this guy, don't let Joe Flacco's injury be the reason why you rush him and screw him up. Right. I mean, that's what happened with Paxton Lynch, essentially, because Trevor Simeon got hurt. They didn't have the time that they thought they had um, with Simeon because just things just went sour. But it's just it's not a good situation. Um, It's unfortunate, but that's also the game. I mean, the Broncos have been hit especially hard with injuries on both sides of the ball, too. I mean, two starting cornerbacks, Mm -hmm. you know, the right tackle. Jeff Hireman is now out for probably a week or, you know, longer. And now they're quarterback. And, you know, how many times do we say during preseason, during OTAs even, that if they lose just one of their starters, they would have trouble. And how many have they lost? I mean, it's – they simply don't have the personnel to get this done. They don't. I mean, they don't have the depth. If they did, I don't believe Garrett Bowles would still be in the game. I really don't. I mean, Jawan James's absence has – clearly, you know, created issues on the line. Um, But this is where they're at. This is kind of where the Broncos have been at since 2016. Yeah. Yeah. And you know what, what this injury does in the announcement that he will miss Sunday's game against the Browns and, and kind of the uncertainty surrounding his future, Vic Fangio saying they're going to evaluate him. What it does is it kind of changes the conversation because the conversation coming into today was going to be about his post-game comments from yesterday. And I, he took a couple of really big shots at Rich Scangarello and at the Broncos kind of mentality toward the end of the game saying, Hey, look, we're a two and six football team. What do we have to lose? Why are we not being aggressive? I, I looked at those and that was the first time for me that Joe cool, as we like to refer to him as had really kind of let his frustration be known. And that to me was really kind of eye opening. And, and I know there was a section of the fan base that didn't appreciate it. Well, if you don't appreciate the guy getting fired up on certain things, then you can't get mad at him for getting fired up about right. this, right? Like he's showing frustration to me. It was really kind of eye opening because 
for him to be kind of flatline like he always is, and then to come out after the game and say, what are, what are we doing, right? Like, why are we calling these plays? Why are we running the ball on third and five? Who cares if they have a timeout? Why are we playing not to lose rather than trying to win when we're a two and six football team? That was really eye-opening to me. Yeah, and I, I thought it was interesting because we don't really know if it's Rich Gangarella. You got to remember, Vic has veto power. You know, he signs off basically on every play. So this might have been Vic's call, essentially. Um, but either way, Flacco was clearly frustrated, believes they should be airing him out. They should be taking shots when they have a six foot four receiver who's already had 20 plus yard completions and drawn four penalties on a rookie cornerback. You know, it just it just makes sense. And like you said, what do they have to lose at this point? You know? So I, I thought it was interesting that he, he finally spoke out. And it it wasn't it wasn't manufactured comments. I mean, we saw him in the locker room right after, and he was still chatting. He was talking to the whole secondary about how he was frustrated. And he took their side. So this was this was a big deal for him. And clearly he was he he does care. And I think any notion to the contrary is just it's stupid. It really is just stupid. Um, just because he doesn't scream on the field or he's not barking at teammates or whatever, um, he clearly does care. But it is an interesting PR image now when yes. the day after he says what he says, he's suddenly out. It's but funny. It really, he really was hurt. It's funny because the the editor that I called to to post our story when that happened was like, "Oh, so is this legit or is he faking it?" And I was like, "No, it's legit. Like, we're not going to question the guy's injury. I mean that that is legit. But legit. it is it is an interesting turn if you're looking at it from the outside. Of oh well, huh? I wonder how Emmanuel this is says go something down. gets traded. Yep. Flacco says something. Suddenly is hurt, <laughs> but I really don't and, think that's how it is. And don't expect that storyline to go away either, right? Like that will right. that will continue to be a question as this football team continues to struggle. And the bottom line is, if if they were five and three and Joe Flacco got hurt, nobody would blink an eye. But they're two and six, and this is what happens when your team is struggling the way that it is struggling. Uh, you mentioned the Juwan James injury and, and how that will affect this team moving forward and and you you just feel bad for Juwan James right like comes back he gets hurt in week 1 against the the Raiders he's inactive up until yesterday comes back gets the start plays a whole 22 snaps and then reaggravates that same injury on that same knee and you're just like oh my gosh one poor him and then two poor Broncos because it just puts this team in an even bigger spot um to where they they can't they, they literally they can't get out of their own way nothing good has happened for this football team this year no, the the Juwan James injury is brutal, but I, you kind of could see this coming almost. Like, he never felt like he was quite ready for this game. There's always kind of that hesitation. And then 22 snaps in, he goes down. He's in obvious pain. He's carted back to the locker room. Now, Vic said he doesn't believe the aggravation was as bad as the initial injury, indicating he could be back and, you know, maybe after the bye. But he doesn't look comfortable out there. And this is a guy that has kind of played every other season because of injuries. Um, and then you compound that with the other injuries across the board. Jeff Hireman's knee injury now. Bryce Callahan still hasn't played a preseason or regular season game, hasn't practiced. 
Um, you, you lost Devonte Bosby too. It, Will Parks is out. It's it just every week they're down at least one guy, and I don't know where else they can lose a player. I mean, on their offensive line, because Juwan James was in, they made their two active tackles inactive. Calvin Anderson and Jake Rogers were inactive, which left them with only one backup by the time Elijah Wilkinson went back in, and Austin Schlotman's an interior guy. So when Bowles is screwing up, you don't have an option. you got to leave him in there. And he did screw up. He had a nightmare of a game. Nightmare. I, I, I still have the image of him laying on his backside with his arm reaching up to try and hold <laughs> Justin Houston as Houston is mobbing Joe Flacco. And it's just like, oh, man. you know. And then I think there was one play where he literally tackled Ron Leary because he got so pushed back into, yeah. <laughs> by his own guy that I he mean, got he, pushed into Leary and Leary fell down. <laughs> and he landed on Dalton Reisner's ankle, yes, which is yes. why he it's was like hurt. The, um, the one guy on the offensive line he's played well this year. It's like a domino effect. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It was, well, he had that, as soon as he had that, he allowed that sack where he literally got run over by Justin Houston. It was the start of the second quarter. And that was when they're at goal line and they can't even score despite two penalties from the Colts. Well, Garrett Bowles is like, he's not even getting a hand up on the edge rusher. Mm -hmm. I mean, he's chasing them around behind the pocket. It's just crazy, but they don't have an option. You know, the one bright spot from that game was the Denver defense, and I thought they played mm-hmm. really, really well. Um, I mean, the Colts came in. They were red hot, right? Like, And mm-hmm. I don't think anybody saw that coming. We talked on our podcast last week about how they were probably the surprise team in the NFL given what had happened with Andrew Luck and how Jacoby Brissett was playing this year. But Brissett even said it after the game. He said, that was the best defense we played all year. And, and so – it stinks for that defense. And you think back to the Von Miller play in the end zone where he had Jacoby Brissett. And if he brings him down, then all of a sudden that, that changes the complexion of the game. I don't know what you want Chris Harris to do there in terms of guarding T Y Hilton for 15 seconds or however long that play was. I mean, there's not much more that Chris can do, but I thought this Denver defense played a really, really commendable game um, and gave their football team and their offense every chance to win it. Yet again, they just couldn't do it. Yeah, there's not much more they could have done in that fourth quarter. I mean, Derek Wolf had two sacks, the second of which was a strip sack, which put the ball back in the offensive's hands at midfield, no less. It wasn't even like they were backed up. And they produced three and outs. There's really nothing more they can do. And Von Miller had a heck of a game. I think his best game of the season, save for that, miss sack in the end zone that could have been a safety and instead turned into that 35 yard completion by T.Y. Hilton and set up their game winning drive. But I mean, he was dominant in the run game. He had one and a half sacks. That first half sack was just quintessential Miller where he pushed back a guy that was six, seven, 307 pounds. It just doesn't even make sense when you're seeing it, but he also had three tackles for loss. Um, two of those were against Marlon Mack. He held uh, Hines to a pair of runs for only two yards each. I mean, he was he was all over the place, but people will only remember that sack that he probably should have had. But Derek Wolf even said that Brissett is is the hardest quarterback they've 
had to well, he's a big dude, right? And also, he oh, by big. the way, Derek Wolf's getting held in the end zone on that play too. Right, you know? right. I mean, uh, but, but when you look at that defense, I mean, they held Indianapolis to a season low in 15 points. And so if you're that D, you're almost looking across the locker room like, hey, man, what more do you want from us, right? Like, right. we can't play offense for you, unfortunately. They might be better at it. I don't know. But but if you're the Denver defense, I don't think you could ask for more. And I think what we've seen over the last couple games with this defense is them really starting to play the way we thought they were going to play maybe at the beginning of the year. Um, and, and we're really starting to see Vic Fangio's input on this team and how they can play when they play in his system and, and when he's able to kind of get his handprint and everybody understands what to expect from them. So uh, I thought that was almost like a quintessential Denver defensive performance. It's unfortunate that it got wasted the way that it did. And, and I think that's a lot of the reason why – Chris Harris may not be going anywhere. There's still time. There's still a chance they they could get a deal too good to pass up for him. But look at the way this defense is playing. You know how much the defense means to Vic Fangio and John Elway. Um, And there's still always a chance they they try to re-sign Chris Harris. But they don't have another cornerback that could keep this unit playing the way it is. I mean... They need Chris Harris, even though this season is in the dumps. Um... But if they do get offered, you know, a third round pick or higher, it's something they're going to really have to consider. Um, but you, you mentioned, um, you know, this defense can't score for the offense. That is where this defense can't do what the 2015 defense mm-hmm. did, which cleaned up the mess of the offense how many times. Um, this defense is quite good, but they haven't been able to get those takeaways and get points off takeaways so they, they can't do everything, but it's unreasonable for the offense to even ask that. But the the offense just can't use the defense as a full crutch like the 2015 offense did. Yeah. You know what I thought was interesting after the game, going back to, to Chris Harris Jr. And, and obviously the trade rumors and the speculation, he was really honest, and as he always is, which is part of the reason why we enjoy going to Chris for sound bites mm-hmm. because he usually tells us exactly how it is. He was like, yeah, this week was really tough for me. It was probably the toughest week he said that he's ever had because of the trade rumors and because of not knowing what his future holds. But what I thought was was so interesting was he was like, I still want to be here. You know, and Derek Wolf said the same thing. He was like, I want to retire a Bronco. I'm not going to ask for a trade. Like, I want to be here. I want to get this thing right. And I think back to what Von Miller said on Thursday when he was asked about the Emmanuel Sanders trade, saying, I want guys that want, we want guys that want to be Broncos, right? And, and what Chris said and what Derek Wolf said after the game struck me as, hey, man, I want those guys on my team, you know, because those are the guys that want to get this right. And yes, their names have come up in trades. And yes, we kind of knew that was going to happen as the season was spiraling the way that it was spiraling. But I loved the mentality that those guys have, that those veteran leaders who have been Broncos for life still want to be Broncos for life, despite the fact that they are mired in one of the worst seasons that they have ever been a part of. I think if Vance Joseph staff were still here, it'd be a very different story for Chris. Um, Anybody who knows Derek Wolf knows how much family means to him. He had a very rough childhood. Um, never really had that family setting. Um, and he, he has it now. He's married. They just had a really adorable baby girl. 
And this is home for him. And I think for the first time, it feels like that. He doesn't want to leave. And I, I think his perspective is also changing just from hearing him talk is, you know, and it, football still is everything to him, but, you know, you got a family. You think about your kid being healthy for your kid. And I think he's coming to terms with the fact that, you know, he's, he's nearing the end and that's okay because he gets more time with his, with his kids. Mm-hmm. And, and Chris, I mean, he's about to have his fourth kid. Um, so he's, it, it would be, it would be difficult for them to up and leave, especially with his wife do any minute, but he also really likes this coaching staff, genuinely likes this coaching staff. And he's, he said that to us just in chatting to the side in the locker room. He really does like playing for Ed Donatel and Vic Fangio. He made it clear he did not care for the last coaching staff. So that's where, you know, Chris is genuine. Yeah. Their, their team's not good right now. Um, but he likes the defense and he's able to get his numbers. It's just, you know, will that mean as much to him in March when he's getting offers from other teams and he might have to decide taking less here or get taking more elsewhere? And at that point, I wouldn't blame him, right? No. Like, no, no. I mean, at that point, they've already declined to give him a, an extension once, you know, so I wouldn't be surprised at all if he left. But what what I love so much is that he's not banging on the door saying, hey, get me out of here, right? Like, this right. team sucks. We suck. I got to get right. out of here ASAP. Please, please, please trade me. Um, whether that's personal or, or business, um, I still like that he is not doing that. And that, to me, yeah. is speaks really highly of him and, and tells you what you need to know about how the inside of that locker room is feeling. Right. Absolutely. And Derek Wolf kind of casually slipped in a mention. He's like, I'm not going to go request a trade or anything. Hint, hint, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Yep. Yep. <laughs> Unlike, you know who, right. who right. of course got the first touchdown On the for the first 49ers. drive of the yeah. game. Oh. Yeah. And they're 51, but he's back in receiver heaven, apparently all as well. <laughs> I mean, nothing could have worked out any better for Emmanuel Sanders. So you know, good for him. Good for him. He's, yeah. he's been freed. <laughs> right. Exactly. I saw your tweet. Yeah. When he was giving love to the faithful. Yes. He is a, mm-hmm. he's a free man. Free at last. All right. Uh, let's talk uh, some over unders and do some recaps from uh, the game on Sunday. Our first over under was times that we would be reminded that Peyton Manning played for the Colts and Broncos. And Nikki, I was very surprised at this. There was only one reference during the game. You're probably making this up because I didn't hear the full telecast. Nope. I promise you I watched and I I actually there was one prior to kickoff um, and it was just a shot of a a fan in a Manning jersey walking up and they had the Colts and uh, Broncos logos there on the screen. Even including that, it was still under our four and a half total. Um, so I, I win that one. Only one reference during the game. Times that Emmanuel Sanders was traded, that we would be reminded that he was traded. We said it at three and a half. You and I both went over. It was only once. Um, and I don't even know that there was one during the game, which I was really surprised about. Um, but but only one on that one. So we both lose on that one. Corlin Sutton touchdowns. Uh, we set the line at one. You went over. I went under. I win that one. Uh, Corlin had no touchdowns. There was only one. This seems rigged. Touchdown. I don't like. What do you mean this it seems, seems rigged? Rigged. I mean, there's a lot of Michael wins. Michael wins. Michael <laughs> wins on this list. I don't. 
Get better at your over-unders. Blame Rich Gangarello for not throwing the ball to Cortland Sutton. You know, you're on the Joe Flacco train. That's cool. We understand. Uh, Snaps for Juwan James. Here you go, Nikki. Here's a win for you uh, by default because he got hurt. Uh, He only played in 22 snaps. Uh, That's a win for you. Uh, Yards for Eric Ebron. You and I both went over. Uh, It ended up being Jack Doyle who was the favorite tight end target of Jacoby Brissett. Doyle had four catches for... 61. Yeah, I was really surprised at that. Uh, Ebron only had three catches for 26, so we were both wrong on that one. Garrett Bowles holding calls. You went over our one and a half line. I went the under. The fact that you're winning this Bowles bet is just total BS. I Why? Mean, he allowed that ridiculous sack. He kind of allowed the second sack that was declined. Like, he was a nightmare out there. I'm, we need to start changing the categories. You're the from, one that continued to put the Bulls holding whatever. calls in That's after the Chicago game. That's neither here nor there. If you want to change it to sacks, we can have a different conversation. I don't like but this But the game. line was holding calls, and I win that one. Uh, Flacco, I want a new game. Flacco sacks was three and a half, and it ended up at three. Go I'm going to say You anything. have an argument? No, I won't say that. Well, you won't say anything because you four win? Times. Yeah, well, technically you sacked four times, but when was one the fourth? Of was, one of them was negated by a penalty. Oh, right, right, yeah. right. But hey, no, stick with three. We're good. We're good. Stick with three because you went the yeah. under, and so you win on that one. Uh, so our, our final totals I was four and three on the game, and you were two and five. So I took yeah, the win like this a, week. The Broncos record. That's great. Yeah, yeah. At Fantastic. least you're consistent. You know, you, uh, you, know? you adapt to the team that you cover, so to speak. Yeah, it's, it's like osmosis. Losing is a disease. <laughs> Find a way to stop that polio. right now. <laughs> uh, let's, oh, let's take a look at our, our spotlight recaps. Uh, I put the spotlight on, on Cortland Sutton. Three catches on six targets for 72 yards. I thought he was arguably their best offensive player, uh, but I'm with Joe Flacco that they should have thrown him the ball more. Um, mm-hmm. and, and I thought what he did, not necessarily so much in the receptions that he made, but on all the penalties that he drew was huge. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my guy, Deshaun, didn't even start. They started Fred Brown over him. I mean, that is a clear sign that you, the team has quit on you. And then he had that awful penalty, that block in the back that cost them. So Deshaun, not so great. Here's here's an interesting thing, and, and we talked about this last week. I don't know that this has happened, but I'm going to be interested to see whether or not Deshaun is more involved in the offense with a change at quarterback. Because we know about Joe Flacco and how he th- – hit Deshaun Hamilton right between the one and the seven in Oakland. And, and Deshaun ended up dropping that pass. And then he really hasn't been involved in the offense since. So I, I, I'm not saying that Joe Flacco was freezing out Deshaun Hamilton, but I do wonder if Deshaun Hamilton will get more love in the offense with a different quarterback. We know that Flacco and Sutton had a really good relationship and and had a great, great connection in that show time and time again on Sundays. I wonder now who Brandon Allen is going to have a connection with and who will end up being his guy and whether or not Deshaun Hamilton can maybe step up with Brandon Allen as his quarterback because clearly he wasn't able to do it with Joe Flacco as his quarterback. The fact that he didn't get the start That's bad. To me tells me it's it's 
more the coaching staff than Flacco. I mean, he's not able to get open, and then he has that bad penalty. He had that drop in the end zone. He may be a polished route runner, which he is, smart player, but he's not able to get it done. I mean, if you can't get open, especially with this offense where it's a struggle no matter what, it's going to be a problem. I kind of wish they would include Deontay Spencer more. I mean, he had that big catch and run early in the game. He's had a number of, you know, really clutch completions. I wonder if they try to involve him. The only concern there is if anything happens to him, you're again. You're out of power. Yeah, and then you're back in that cycle. So There's a lot. There's a lot going on with this football Mm -hmm. team is kind of what this Mm -hmm. podcast uh, breaks down. I I think it's probably – too early to know what to expect from from Brandon Allen. I, I want to see him in practice this week. I want to hear what the guys say about him. We'll bring you some of that in our, our Thursday podcast as we get ready for this Browns game. But there is not a lot positive going on with this football team right yeah. now, and it looks like it's going to be another long well, week in Broncos country. I mean, there is a positive in that Brandon Allen has a golden doodle that looks exactly like Joey. You can finally um, do the story you have been waiting to do. I'm so pumped. I, I remember you so telling pumped. me this like the day after he was signed, and I was like, Nikki, whatever. And now he's the starting quarterback. That was actually the first question I asked him when he arrived in Denver. Hi, my name is Nikki. Um, what's your dog's schedule this week? <laughs> <laughs> your thoughts on dog play dates? Have you been to many dog parks? That was really our first conversation. This is I need to get out more. So there's that. He also looks just like Paxton Lynch. I don't know if that's a good thing or bad thing. Th- it just is smaller. scary, right? Like it, it is, is it is scary. scary, especially when he has a hat on. Like I've had yeah. to do a double take a couple times in the locker room when I look at him and I'm like, "Oh my gosh, let's hope his play doesn't resemble anything like Paxton Lynch's." Yeah, he's just like, you know, 5 inches smaller, but just like him. So, we'll see. <laughs> It's going to be great times. Everything's going to be fine. It's going to be fine. Um, what, uh, what is the prognosis here? Like, can we leave the people with something positive? I'm, I'm really struggling to find something that, that we can look forward to. The good news is the Browns are terrible. Right? Like, they're they not very terrible. good either. The bad news is there are a lot of terrible teams. So even though the Broncos are terrible too, they may not even get a top five pick. Sorry, I'm a total Debbie Downer. Oh, here's one. It doesn't sound like the Broncos are going to have a Halloween party this year. That's you know how right. That ended. That's right. I heard there's Happy more to do. Happy one year anniversary. I heard there's Chad more to Kelly. do with that than Chad Kelly, um, than than the Chad Kelly arrest. But but yeah. I'm upset about that too because that always gave us some good content from the costume perspective. I could have done without the police reports, but from the costume perspective, right. it always provided us with uh, with some some laughs. Yeah, I don't get the sense that the guys like each other enough to want to party together. Yeah, that's what I gather from this locker room. But again, it's going to be fine. Everything's <laughs> going to be fine. <laughs> I swear, it is not going to be fine. All right, so a lot coming this week. Uh, obviously, uh, 2 p.m. Mountain Time will be the trade deadline. We'll see if the Broncos make a move. Uh, it doesn't feel like it right now, but uh, but we'll see if that changes. If it does, of course, we'll keep you updated, and then we will be back with you guys on Thursday to uh, promote the Browns game and get you set for everything you need to know about Cleveland. 
And be sure to check out 1% Better. It's our Colts podcast with Zach Kiefer and Stephen Holder. I'm sure they have a lot to unpack after Sunday's game. Um, Stephen actually wrote a really good piece on Jacoby Brissett's 35-yard completion, how that play came together. So be sure to listen to them um, and kind of follow what they're doing with the Colts. That's a pretty interesting team and sort of a model for what the Broncos probably should be. Um, so yeah, in the meantime, we'll keep tracking the quarterback carousel that just keeps on spinning. That's going to do it for us guys. Round and round <laughs> Thanks so much for tuning in to mile high magic. We will check in with you again later this week and get you set for the Broncos and Browns coming up Sunday afternoon at mile high.